Hi there, dear people. Welcome to For Real. I'm your host, Kim Stewart, and today I'm joined by Nick Connolly. I'm telling you, this conversation was a buoy for my heart. Nick is a pastor and a podcaster. He's a church planter. He's a busy dad and husband, and he is, as we will discuss, a statistic buster. He knows a lot about persistence, about pressing on, about taking God up on promises that can feel out of reach. I love the bravery of this conversation. You guys know I'm here for real answers to real questions, and Nick is our guy. Trust me. So listen in and get a shot of courage and tenacity with the pride of Charleston, South Carolina, Nick Connolly. Nick Connolly, it is an honor to have you on for real. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is so incredible. Oh, man, you've been so kind. You've had a very busy all the things. And already today, you've had really just so many things with your work. And we want to talk about that. But um, I just appreciate you carving out some moments in front of a beautiful black fireplace, which is on another podcast as well, I believe your it wife. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so you're in a good space. Lots of great conversations happen there. This place is anointed. This, okay, this is good. holy ground right here. So oh, good. we can should be good. Get it splash over here to Iowa too. That would be great. Um, <laughs> Nick, before we begin, just in case listeners are not familiar with you, will you just give us some bullet points? I want to know who you are, what and where you spend your days doing all the oh, things. Oh, God. Yes. All right. So my name is Nick Connolly, and I am married to the wonderful Jess Connolly, and I lead a church in Charleston, South Carolina called Bright City. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are about to turn 10 years old okay. uh, as a faith community. So that's a pretty big deal. It's a really big deal. Really big deal. It's double digits. And because so, you and um, Jess were the founding members along with some planted, others, correct? Okay. Planted the church. So how about yes. that? You are a statistic crusher. I'm, with 10 in all years. the ways, in all the ways, <laughs> okay, the story it. of my life, the story of my life. Should get a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. On my forehead. Um, we have four kids. Uh, we are in the teenager land. I, I don't know. I don't want to add too many adjectives to it, but we're, we're, we're there. <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs> Stay safe. We're um, got. Uh, we're we're you know our we have Irish triplets, so they're all about to run the birthday gauntlet. So we're about to be seventeen, sixteen, fifteen, and then Dang. eleven. And so we we uh, help wife with business, do all the things to partner with her, and we're we're just living the life that God's called us to live here in Charleston, South Carolina. Everything you just said is beyond a full time job, and you have eight yeah. of them. So, Nick, you and I met initially at Hope Heals Camp, one of my very favorite places in all of the Incredible place. Yep. Yes. Um, And I got to see you pastor in real life. So not business card label pastor, but actually in real (laughs) life, come alongside people who needed Mm -hmm. you and needed you to um, be you know, people have like, you know, journals at TJ Maxx now that say be present. I saw like be present in the way that it is meant to happen. And there is nowhere to hide in the heat of Alabama, in my experience. You know what I'm saying? That's the most (laughs) brutal climate that I've experienced in many years. 
And yet you did. You just you have just kicked out to the curb your own um, exhaustion, maybe. I mean, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that is an exhausting job for that week, but you do this all the time. And yet you took a while, you said, to call yourself a pastor, to use that word. So I've seen you in real life do it very, very compassionately and naturally. So what's the deal? How come yeah. it took a while for you to say that? That's a great question. Well, I, I appreciate all of the encouraging words that you said about me in the midst of the Alabama heat. And, you know, I think we both would say, first and foremost, that Hope Hills Camp is a special place. Like it is just another world um, that that is uh, an incredible picture of the kingdom. So I feel like when I step into a situation like that, um, I'm stepping into something that is that is already happening. So that uh, not to dismiss all of your kind words. I just wanted to pause and just say that because it is a special place. The second thing I would say to that is I think part of it really was a lot of it out of my own insecurities. Um, I think uh, you you mentioned me being a statistic. I think in, in a lot of my life, ways that that I've I've Jess and I have had to live life in, in the in the background that I've come out of. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of the markers in my life that would have necessarily set me up for quote unquote health. Um and, and God has done all of those things in my life. And so I think being a pastor, like of course I, I went to seminary and um I, I love the local church. So I tr- tried to tried to stay close to the local church, but I, I never really had anyone walk with me and and guide me and shepherd me and and show me I, I mean I, I learned from afar I learned because I was in the room but no one looked at me and said hey I, I see you I think you would make an incredible pastor and so I think part of it was insecurity and then I think part of it too is living in the time that we live in and um you know, that word means different things to different people. That's the truth. <laughs> and so, That's the truth. And so I, I, you know, part of it is like, hey, I'd rather be Nick first mm. than pastor. And now it's gotten to the point where even our staff and, and the people within our churches is, is, you know, we're hanging out watching a game and it's like, hey, Pastor Nick. And I'm like, I, I, I feel like in this moment, in this place, I could just be Nick, <laughs> if that's all right. <laughs> um, Jess and I love the West Wing. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you've okay, best yes. writing of all TV. Yep, it's amazing. It is an incredible show, and there's this. I, I, I'm going to butcher it. Jess could give you the full monologue right now, <laughs> okay. but there's this moment in the West Wing where the president is, I think, in the Oval Office, and he's with his pastor, his priest, and he, the priest, was older than him, had known him for a long time, and he said, "Please forgive me." I don't know what I'm supposed to call you in this moment. It was, I guess it was the first time they had interacted and he's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to call you in this moment. Do I call you? I think it's Jed. I think it's yep, his name Jed. or do I yep. call you president? And he was like, you in this, in this room, you call me president. And so I think there is an mm-hmm. element of my life in this space. You call me pastor, mm-hmm. but I'm always going to be the slowest person in the room to say, Hey, <laughs> That's me. Nick. <laughs> so with that, you have such an unusual job, Nick, and uh, you have many unusual jobs, but the pastoring <laughs> piece, I would love for you just for a second before we dive into kind of mm-hmm. the heart of our conversation, what do you wish people knew about pastors 
right? Seems like the toughest job. In my opinion, I think yeah. it's the toughest job in the world. Yeah. So how can we, the average parishioner, mm. how can we come alongside the people in our lives that do that work? That's a great question. I think the one thing I would say that comes to mind first is that usually 99% of pastors are not the 1%. And so I think a lot of times you see this 1% of a persona of pastor that's uh, leading, whatever that picture is for people, whether it be they're leading a mega church and they dress a certain way and act a certain way. And then somebody makes a TV show after them or about them in a, in a parody way, you know, I, I like I think sometimes we have the 1% view and we let the 1% take our, our perspective for the 99%. But a lot of the times, a lot of the pastors that I lead, uh, that I meet that are the 99% are people just like you and I, and they, they hurt the same, they bleed the same, uh, they, they cry the same, they want to help people in the same ways that we all do. And so I think a lot of times when we say things like pastor or church or, or, you know, all these things, unfortunately, sometimes we're, we're, we're putting those terms in a blanket statement over everything and everyone. Mm -hmm. When in reality, that's, that's not true. And I think any person who goes to a church would say, Hey, I really want my pastor to see me as an individual, not a statistic or a part of the numbers. And so I, you know, for me as a pastor, I would want, you know, my congregation to see me as a person. And mm. I, I hurt the same. I bleed the same. I, I, I get exhausted. I'm, my right. job is hard. I, I, some days I don't want to go to work, <laughs> you know, like right. it's, Just it's, like all you. This, right. it's all the same. And, yeah. and so I, I think that's the one thing I would say. Okay. Oh, it's super helpful. I didn't look back. This is our third season on this podcast. And I feel like you're our first pastor. I might be Whoa, misspeaking. That's okay. I, I'll take like top five or, you know, yeah, what? that's no. incredible. <laughs> well, I listen, first of all, I mean, I only have people on this podcast that I really admire and love. So that's Aww. why you're on here. But I feel like you're a wonderful example of, as you said, you're Nick who watches football. And also you have this stubborn call to mm-hmm. be a shepherd. Um, yeah. And I think your book, which we're going to talk about, speaks so honestly and beautifully about how that's not always a very easy thing for everybody, all the mm-hmm. callings, right? Hardly yeah. ever. I've never heard of anybody who has sincerely with full heart followed what God asked them to do and felt like, well, that was so easy. So I don't yes. think pastors are abnormal in that sense, but yeah. maybe because you guys talk about God all the time, your the people in your church might think, well, it must just be easier for him to do what God asks. And your yeah. book says no. Your new book is called Don't Give Up Just Yet, Choosing Persistence in a World of Overwhelming Resistance. I'd love to hear just personally on your personal life. You are writing and delivering sermons all the time. You, in large part, you are a public speaker. Um, <laughs> and I'm wondering how did this stick? Right. You're probably I'm assuming if you're like many pastors, you're developing sermon series all the time. What are where are we going next? You're planning on where you are in the Bible and what you talk about. So mm-hmm. how did that how did this idea make it past a good idea, maybe for a sermon or a talk into yeah. I'm going to spend a good chunk of my life writing this and talking about this? How does a pastor choose a book? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Well, uh, ironically, with this book. 
it actually was out of my life before it was a message. And uh, I, you know, I think for me, I can't speak to everyone. I think sometimes people, especially in my position, they have the idea and they're like, Oh, that's for the congregation. And I, I don't necessarily think that all the time. I think there's, I mean, if that were the case in my church, would be like, what's wrong with you, Nick? I feel like we're all over the place, but, <laughs> but for this, for this book, I actually, um, Jess and I had been reflecting on my life and and the things that had happened in my life. And then, um, as she had started her writing journey, she was like, Hey, I, I think you need to write. And I was like, I I need to tell you that I got a 10, 10 on my SAT and I'm telling you math carried me and I'm not good at math. (laughs) And, and so I never, ever thought I was going to write a book. And then, you know, long story short, she's encouraging me. Then I, I go on her podcast and I say a line about uh, quitting and it just resonated with Mm. a lot of people. Mm. And then I started to, you know, think about it with and dream about it with uh, our agent, Jenny, who's incredible, Jenny Burke. And um, I started to to really form this concept. And and the hilarious part of the whole journey has been, it has been a long, horrible uphill process. (laughs) Like, you know, when you're writing something like this, you're like, surely at some point it's going to give and I'm going to hit the downhill. Like, like it, surely, happened yet. it has, and, it, yeah. and even, even, I mean, and we can dive into this too, but even, you know, I think I'm going on like 50 days of being on the other side of some medical issues that ended up being panic attacks. And, and it's like, I mean, I, I have, I wrote this book in the midst of challenges and I'm about to launch this book in the midst of incredible spiritual warfare and challenges. And so I think, you know, I think a lot of pastors come from the place of like, oh, you know, this will sound great or, you know, this will be viral. And, and, and for me, I I came from the place of like, man, I, I, this is, has happened in my life and is happening in my life. I wonder if this is true for anyone else. And I, and I think, you know, I think a lot of pastors would hope that, um, their congregation has their like messages for the last five years recited. But like, I, like, I don't even know what I said yesterday, you know, like it's, it's, you know, life is so hard. Mm -hmm. Life is so challenging. There is like resistance is a worldwide common theme. Mm -hmm. No matter if you are in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, or Iowa, or Lisbon, Portugal, like wherever you are in the world, like it is a hard, hard journey to make it through this life. And then if you try following Jesus, it somehow makes it harder. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, hey, I, I wonder if, and so that's kind of where this message came from was just not the sermon series, but the human condition as a yeah. whole. Um, I have been praying for your family during this season. And I know it's been a a rough one. Um, and when I was reading your book, I kept thinking, Lord, um, so this assignment you've given Nick, I wonder if at this point he's wishing you had asked him to write about puppies. You could be a case study for puppy adoption because when you write a whole stinking book about persistence and resistance, and then you're the case study, Man, I mean, you have stuck your head out of the trench. And I'm wondering about that idea of resistance. 
Um, you said it's worldwide. I completely, I mean, that just from a human visceral reaction. Yes. All the time. <laughs> Things have not yeah. been easy for humanity ever. Yeah. Um, but you have this line where you talk about how you were not just, um, surprised by resistance, which all, you know, that in itself is your, you line up why that is kind of crazy town, but we're also offended by it. Oh Maybe yeah. Maybe particularly as followers of Jesus. So can you talk about that? Cause oh, I'm nodding. Yeah. I, I'm nodding to you. I, yes. <laughs> yep. I got to a place. It was, it was probably four or five years ago. And I just was like, God, I, I, I just have to tell you, but I'm, I'm offended by this mm. whole thing. Like by how I, hard life is like can how you hard that out a little bit, is. what you mean by resistance yeah, for think, what do you mean by that word? Yeah. Resistance is, you know, Jesus says this line and he always says it best is, is John uh, 1633 says in this world, you will have troubles. And he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so in this world, we will have resistance and, and, I, even when uh, James, I think it's cha uh, chapter one, verses two and four, or two through four, he says that consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. I just got to the place where I was like, God, I'm, I'm not considering this joy, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't want to consider it joy. Yeah. Like, I, no, thank I refuse. you. I refuse. Right. <laughs> and um, and so I, I just got to this place, and it, it you know. It, what what happens to us in life, like the thing that breaks us is not the thing. Like like the straw that breaks the camel's back is never the actual straw. Like it's been happening for a while, but the straw that broke the camel's back for me is we had been trying to do this Monday night service. Uh, our, our, our city is heavy hospitality, food and bev and medical. And so getting to a church on a weekend is a hard thing. Ah. And so we were, we, we went big. We, we had like no budget, no staff, no nothing. And we rented out this music venue and we're promoting the heck out of this thing. And all of a sudden, I don't know where a hurricane comes. And, and obviously like I live in stinking South Carolina, like it's, you know, it's the, the, the times like hurricanes come in the fall and I just oh took it so personal yeah right and, and because it was you had to never, cancel you had to, you oh, had to yeah, cancel all yeah, that to yeah cancel it it was never the the service the service was the least of the things right. but i think a lot of times in life that that we we become surprised by the storms and and therefore we become offended but what if we started to expect the storms and i don't mean that in in a way that's like you have a horrible you are outlook on life remember you are from winnie the pooh oh, yeah. but like i just you're like hey i jesus Jesus actually said this, but he said, in this world, I will have resistance. Mm. I will have troubles. But he's also a God who has extended incredible persistence that lives in me, in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Christ is in me. The Holy Spirit is indwelling inside of me. And so not only do I have resistance, I have that same, when Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. He, he put that also in me. Right. So if resistance is around me, persistence is in me. And so mm. um, I, it was a huge shift for me. It was not easy and it's still not easy. Yeah. It's like, God, I, I'm a little offended right now, but, you know, I'm choosing persistence in mm. this moment. Yeah, I read that line and winced because <laughs> of all the times I have whined. Oh, I'm a good whiner. Yeah. And yeah. the surprise, uh, you mentioned John 16, 33, the Sunday before the entire world shut down with COVID, mm -hmm. our pastor spoke on John 16, 33. 
I have never had such a begrudging, I had, I like gritted my teeth when I, because then we were, we couldn't even go to church for a while and looking at my most recent sermon notes, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a peppy sermon. It was definitely like, listen, this is hard and you have warning. You've been warned. I I love that you point that out because there's, I have some reaction every time, almost every time I'm trying to retrain my heart and my thoughts to not be so stinking surprised when things Mm -hmm. go off the rails, but also to know, as you said, that's not the full sentence. It's not just, this is going to be rough, comma, there's a comma there, but take heart. I've overcome this. So I just love it that you, that you, um, kind of tease that out in your book. Um, I love this, Nick, that you talk about our need for stories of other people who've already done this. I've been thinking a lot about this recently. Um, We're not too far from Christmas. And what struck me this year was the order of events, Um, I guess, in Luke, when the angel's talking to Mary Mm -hmm. and she says, how is this possible? And then he kind of gives another, you know, well, it's almost like an an afterthought. He -hmm. says, well, listen, even your cousin who people thought was barren, which made me laugh this year because I was like, they thought that because she was a million years old. It wasn't just like a <laughs> passing fancy. She was old and didn't have babies. They, people used to think that, but she's pregnant. And that's when Mary says, okay, may it be as you said. And this mm. is the first year that I thought, I wonder if Elizabeth's story was the final push for Mary to say, okay, I've seen it happen. Okay, this story helps my story. Watching you persist, right? Watching you be faithful. Okay, maybe I can too. I know that's all subtext I don't know, but I know in my own life, story makes a difference. And you write about that, that the stories of other people persisting in insanity or what seems like insanity or persisting (laughs) in times when you're like, God, I cannot see the end of this, that that infuses us with hope. So I'm wondering if there are any stories in particular that do that for you yeah people you know or people in scripture either way yeah so i you know i i hope this doesn't sound too simplistic but when i when i read scripture i just see people like you and i who are just trying to make it through life and so i'm actually uh, you know as as we're talking right now is you know uh, it's the beginning of a new year and and most of us have started this Bible reading plan that we may or may not finish. Um, and I'm the president of that club. Um, but the I'm in Abraham. And, and the interesting thing about Abraham is Abraham is the forerunner of a promise that changes not only humanity, but eternity. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Abraham just wanted a son. And so I think a lot of times we, we, we think that these biblical characters are like high and lofty and, and that they are in full understanding of how they're playing a part in redemption. But when I, when I read it, I'm like, oh, they just, they just had desires like you and I, totally. they just had dream, dreams mm. like you and I, they just had hopes like you and I, and they're just waiting on God to fulfill those things. And so if you ask me today, I'm like, oh man, I'm just, I've just been encouraged by Abraham. Like I just, I, and I was just thinking the other day I was reading and, and he, he, just, he had a little bit of a lying streak. And I'm like, man, if God showed grace to Abraham, like he could show <laughs> grace to me. And, right. and so I, I think so many stories within the scriptures have, have encouraged me. And then, you know, obviously when you look at uh, humanity and you look at story of the church, it's like, man, there's just a lot of people who are 
who are trying their best to live out this kingdom life and leave a lasting legacy on this planet. And so I think, you know, living in a culture where um, the newest and the greatest is the inspiration, you know, I want like long, crusty, Mm. old, dirty, you know, like, so give me, give me something with some streetwear on it, because then I I know that it's lasting. Like I know that it's withstood the test of time. And even when I was starting the pastoral journey and the church planting journey, like the irony about church planting and pastoring is it's like a young person sport and you really need like old wisdom to do it. It's a physically like I, I had, I had the physical capacity to do it, but I just felt like I was like, I don't know what I'm doing out yeah. here. And, and, and through the years of doing it, God, you know, someone told me that the, you have these big dreams with your church and your, your community of faith. You have all these dreams and you think it's all about those things. But the first, you know, five years are actually about God working in you and producing a new person. And that was true. And so I think, I think a lot of times you were so focused on the thing and God's so focused on our character. And, and so anyway, all that to say is I, I just love the stories because it helps me stay in focus that, that we're all people. We all have dreams. We all have desires. We all have goals. We all have hopes. And then we're in this plan of redemption. And sometimes those things align and and God does some crazy stuff. But usually, unfortunately, it starts inside of us (laughs) versus around us. everybody. Just a quick break here to let you know about a fun resource for all of you visual people. Did you know that you can watch for real on YouTube? It's true. You can see when I'm wheeze laughing off camera, take note of when the lawnmower kicks up outside my window, and see all of these conversations unfold in real time. So if you are more of a watcher than a listener, head on over to the Kimberly Stewart YouTube channel and pop some corn. We will be happy to see you there. And now back to the conversation. In your book, you write about all different seasons where, um, and maybe as an introvert, this is part of it. I'm married to an introvert, so I'm very familiar Mm. with this, that maybe in times of depression or isolation, or you mentioned, you know, recently dealing with panic attacks. During those times, I found myself and also people in my family that the knee jerk is actually to withdraw. So Mm -hmm. when we're talking about persistence, it feels like I'm going to do this by myself because the last thing I want today is to go be with somebody else. They won't get me. They'll probably (laughs) say something annoying. They'll probably try to fix me. Right. So this speaking from experience here, my own reaction often in the times where I'm so desperate for community, I absolutely moonwalk right out of there. So mm-hmm. coach us as a shepherd and also as a fellow oh, wow. traveler. How do we push against that? What's the point of bringing community in when we're in times of resistance or hardship or trouble? Because my my instinct is to say, I'll see you on the other side of this, but I'm going to do this by myself. I, first of all, I don't want to share this with you. And also, I distrust that you will help me. I get real <laughs> arrogant. <laughs> Sorry. So talk to me about that. You and me both. No. Um, I, I, so the whole, if, 
you know, I'll save anyone the trouble from reading the book. Um, the whole message of the book is, is I think a lot of times what it looks like to walk in faith is to walk in the direction that you don't want to walk in. Mm, so, the so the, the thing in you that you're like, I should do this, but I don't want to do it. That's, that's the message is, is like, that's the rub and that's the resistance. But on the other side of that is abundance. And so I, for me, I have found the most fruit in the follow through when I'm doing the very things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to go hang out. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And so, mm. you know, and the other thing that happens is in that vulnerability, that's how we access power. And so when Paul writes, I think 2 Corinthians 12, 9 is, is in the weakness, we're made strong. We want to be made strong in the strength. Mm-hmm. Like, Lord, I'm That's strong, make preference. me strong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am strong and make me stronger. Right. Yeah. Yes. And and that's not what God says there. God says in, in the vulnerability and the weakness, we get the strength. And so usually where that involves going scared and involves going weak and involves going when we don't want to. And, and then we access the power. And so I, I, a lot of that when I'm doing the podcast and talking to people, they're like, yeah, yeah, that all sounds good. And that's like the Jesus, the answer, but I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I, I hope the listener hears that I'm, I'm coming from a place right now in my own life where the, the panic that I've been having, like, I, I, this is like new territory for me and I, I can't even be alone. And I'm like, God, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I want to be alone. Like, just leave me alone. And right. there were days in the early on where I was scared to be alone. And um, the first message that I preached to our church was Mark 2. And I was like, hey, I, we're, we're four people, however many people we are. We're, we're carrying people to Jesus. We're tearing off the roof. We want to put people at the foot of, of Jesus because that's where life change happens. And this season, I, I've been on the mat. Like, it's me. Like, they're they're carrying me to Jesus and, and my church is doing that. And so as the, as the, the introvert who has the pithy Christianese sayings, like I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm on the mat. And, and so the very things that I don't, I don't want to do are the very things that God are, God's calling me in to do. But I know that when we fight that resistance, that's when we experience the reaping of the harvest that he has for us. And if we're not willing to do that, then, you know, we're not going to grow. We're not going to change. We're not going to access his power. And so I hope that makes sense. It makes total horrible sense. (laughs) Yep. I wish it were another way and it is not. Yeah. Yeah. You, that reminded me of a time in the book where you um, mentioned that phrase that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I've thought of that a million times since I read your interpretation of it because in the and walking with Jesus, actually doing the same thing over and over, um, we do expect results. We do expect growing results, which is nutty pants that during the time when you are saying, please, please don't give this to me. Please give me something else. In fact, I would like to turn tail and do something else now, Lord, because what <laughs> yeah. I have been doing isn't working. You're what I think yeah. I hear you saying is actually you yeah. move toward that. You move toward yeah. being with people. You move toward prayer when you really want to shout. And maybe you shout sometimes. Yeah. You move toward the thing that you are 
trying to give the Heisman to and say, I, I really trust that at some point you're going to break this open for me. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. The, um, the word persistent, you know, in, in how I'm using it comes from the persistent widow in Luke's mm. gospel. And, and I think, you know, culture says like, Hey, how dare you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results? I mean, this is not how it works. You got to change something. You got to figure out how to reverse engineer this. You got to figure out how to do the life hack. You got to, I mean, that is the message of culture, but the message of faith, the message of the gospel is that you go every day in a posture of faith and expect uh, different results. And so what I, what I'm saying is, is that breakthrough is in the follow through. And so when we show up every day and when we do the thing that we don't want to do, that's when that's, that's how faith take root, takes root. And then that's how the fruit comes out of that faith. And so the culture will tell you what, like, why, why, why are you reading your Bible every day? Why, why are you going to church every Sunday? Why are you uh, participating in this group? Why are you expecting for a miracle? Why are you expecting for God to do any of this? Like you need to change this. Like you, that you could do this. And, and that's every time Satan comes into the picture in scriptures, that's what he's saying. He say, why don't, why don't stop waiting on God? Why don't you, yeah, why don't you do it? I mean, the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, like you're all powerful, you're almighty, you're hungry. Why why don't you do it? And, and what I'm saying Mm. is, is faith is God, I I need you to do it. Mm. And so even going back to Abraham, he doesn't say, Hey, Abraham, you will. He says, Abraham, I will. And so, culture's version of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And faith says, I'm going to do the same thing over and over again, because God is going to come through and there's going to be a different result. Just the most upside down economy. We don't, I mean, (laughs) it just sounds nuts. I mean, and maybe it's because we're talking at the beginning of the year where every single Mm. narrative is change. You be the new you, you do this new, you're going to change this way. And you're going to, with your own strength, rework everything that hasn't been working. You have this line that made me yelp in your book. Um, God, we've winced and we've yelped. Oh, Please I've had rush so many reactions. <laughs> oh, it's the, only the best books make you wince and yelp. You would be, trust me, Nick, oh, if I said right. I had no reaction Let's... to your book, that would be a very bad reaction. Right. Uh, this is what she say. I turn Let's a promise it. from God into a problem to be solved by me. I get tired mm. of waiting for the blessing. Assume God has forgotten the promise or try to move up the timeline. I give up on God and take it on myself. And then you make a very good argument that we just lose out when we do that. And so, um, yeah, you're <laughs> the wincing and the yelping is because I do this. I am, I'm in the yeah. midst of it. Um, I need to ask you before, um, we start to wrap up, I'd love to ask you about, actually you begin your book with when we, when we don't persist, which I thought was a very, um, important editorial decision. When, right? Because if we make this into a maxim of always persist, that there's some danger there and you address that. So tell us when we should give up. Yeah. Um, I, in living and trying to work and move within the confines of the church, unfortunately, I've just seen a lot of people be encouraged in very unhelpful ways. Um, it's particularly when it's toxic and harmful 
and I want to use the T word very carefully because my kids call everything toxic. And I'm totally. like, yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. That <laughs> might be good for you. <laughs> it's really just orange juice with calcium. Yeah. And you don't want to drink it. Sleep is so toxic. toxic. Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, but but there are things in life that are that are situations and circumstances that here's the paradigm shift that I'm trying to make. And hopefully I did this in the book is that your persistence and perseverance actually depends upon a pause or a pivot. And so if you are in a very unhealthy relationship or if you are surrounded by incredibly toxic people and you are in a toxic work environment or you are in uh, harmful situations that are actually detrimental to who God's created you to be, then you've got to pause and pivot. Like you've got to, you've got to figure out how you can get out of those situations because God has written a different story over your life. And there's one of persistence, but you like, we don't, we, we persist in the midst of the pain and we persist in the midst of the hard things in life, but we do not persist in the midst of the toxic and harmful, those things are actually warring against us mm-hmm. and keeping us from being who God's created us to be. And so starting the book that way was like, Hey, there are 99% of us need encouragement. We mm-hmm. need to figure out how to keep going in the mm-hmm. thing that God has placed us in because the other part of culture is like, Hey, I, this is hard. I'm out. Uh, this right. is just not what I thought it is. I'm out, but there is 1% of the population. And maybe you're listening to this is that you are in a very hurtful, harmful, toxic situation and who God has created you to be is on the line. Like you can go one way and you are squelching the identity that you have in Christ Jesus, or you could go the other way and you're like, man, I've got to get out of this situation, a circumstance because God has created me for more. That's the pause and the pivot that that we talk about in the book. Is like, hey, that's not about persistence. That that's that's a problem. We've got to mm-hmm. figure that out. We've mm-hmm. got to because persistence is over here. Persistence is is the life that God's called you to. And and so anyway, we we really try to start the book and make that argument because I think the church has done a disjustice to people by telling them to hang on in the wrong circumstances and even walk away in some things where it's like, Hey, I think if you just like saw it through, you might see breakthrough. And so we're trying to nuance those things, but it's so hard. It's a book. They tell you this many words, please. And right. you know, have right. it. it's, a, it's a nuanced um, conversation, but I yeah, appreciated exactly. that you move into it. I was just talking yeah. recently with a woman who grew up in abuse in a physically abusive home, went to church mm. every Sunday with her parents. And, um, what her dad, who was the abuser, heard from the pulpit was just all you need to do is just repent of this last week and then move into the next week. And you can do the same thing. That's not I don't know that that's what the pastor was saying, but what he was mm. interpreting the dad was I'm covered. I'm covered. No biggie. I'm going to say sorry. And then what the mom heard was you need to extend grace. Which is true. We do need to extend grace. I just wrote a book about grace. And I also have a chapter that is called What Grace Is Not, because that was weaponized. That idea was weaponized from the pulpit. And made and so she grew up thinking that the the mojo in her home was you can do whatever you want to somebody else in the confines of a marriage and absolutely tread on them 
And then as soon as Sunday comes, if you just repent and go forth for, you know, go up for prayer, then we're all good. And so that is the kind of persistence that you are not calling for. That is mm-hmm. a toxic and harmful space where people weren't safe. And where yeah. those words, just as our enemy always does, can be warped into something that oh, is not yeah. the meaning of it. And so I appreciate that you took the time to do that. I feel like we, you're right, that we as a church need to to talk about that, um, talk about what things really are and the root yeah. of what they really are instead of using them um, for our own comfort or gain yeah. or just kind of walk over things that are difficult. And with, and with Joseph real quick with Joseph, like God always uses those circumstances. Like I, I I talk to brave people who have Mm -hmm. endured those, those things in their life. And in scripture, when you look at Joseph, it was like, Hey, you know, probably being attempted murdered by your brothers was like, you probably needed some counseling for that. I'd say God God got him through it. And, And I think I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that God doesn't use those things. And right. And work work those things out for our good. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that, that if if there is an opportunity, your your persistence is on the line. Yeah. Um, and it, it's going to be a tough decision, but a necessary one. Yep. Now, beautifully said, um, Nick. I need to let you get back to your real life, <laughs> your non-miked life. Um, this is real life. <laughs> well, I've so loved talking with you and I've so enjoyed your book. Don't give up just yet. Choosing persistence in a world of overwhelming resistance. Um, so well done. Good on you because I know there was some persistence mm. involved, even in writing the book, um, getting it out there. I met you, I think not too long. This has been in process because I think we met long when you time. were just starting to sign contracts. And as I recall in the dining hall at Hope Heels, where all great <laughs> conversations occur, you kind of, uh, made a face when I said, you're an author too. And you're like, it was not an excited moment. And so I know you were, there was a little bit of trepidation moving into this. And I'm saying as your friend, well done, you did it. It is a great book born out of not just great ideas and strong theology, but you have road tested this Mm. and it rings true. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, before I let you go, I always ask my people a very nerdy question. What okay. are some books you like? Both a book maybe that's oh, been out man. for a long time. I know you're a reader. A book that's been out for a long time that you perpetually recommend. We are we love the backlist around here. You'll find this when your book comes out. 14 minutes after it comes out, your publisher will say, well, now we're on to the next thing. What was your name again? <laughs> maybe they won't. Maybe they're better with the Connollys than they are with the stewards of the world. But we love the backlist. There are lots of good stuff out there that just didn't come out this year. So backlist or something you've re- mm-hmm. recommended lots of times. And then another book that maybe you're excited to read that's coming down the pike. Oh, wow. Okay. Or that you have on your your bedside table that's not new, but that you're thinking about for 2024. Maybe maybe I will give a few and then also I need some help. All right. So uh, the other thing is, is I have a hard time remembering everything. So I actually have a notes, like a a note in my phone of like my favorite TV shows, my favorite movies, my favorite books, because I'm like, I I have these things, but so I'll speak from the heart immediately. Uh, Long Obedience in the Same Direction is one of my all-time favorite books by Eugene Peterson. And yes. I, 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 that book got me through. And so my mm. heart is, is that this book would help people mm. get through as well. 
Um, and then I'm actually randomly in a huge John Gordon kick right now. He writes these oh. like um, fables oh, about um, John business and life. And he he's an, he wrote the Energy Bus. And uh, there's a few other ones, but I just read The Garden. And actually, that book is a lot on uh, fear and anxiety. Okay. And it was super helpful for me. And it's like a story. And I'm like, nobody's talking at me. I'm like reading the story. Right. And I just started The Carpenter. And it's been incredible. Um, and I have a million other books that I'm drawing a blank on. But those are what's Great. fresh in the mind right now. Where I need help is I'm also starting to read fiction. So I don't know if it's in this moment right now, but I just, I need some recommendations. Maybe it's in my DMs, you know, however it, okay, it works. I'll I need up. some help. I'll follow okay, up. I'll thank follow you. up. But I have to tell you the Peterson book you mentioned, have you read his run with the horses? Oh gosh. I almost said that one, but I didn't want to offer too many things. I've read that yeah. one a few times too. Okay. I read that one during the pandemic. Same. I, I actually, when I, so there was a span of time where I had probably 10 nights where I didn't sleep and I opened it back up and I, and I just kept like, okay. what makes you think you could run with the horses? That line mm -hmm. was like in my head and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't even sleep. How am I going to be able to run with the horses? <laughs> I can't remember if I've so already good. told this story here, but oh, so, good. so Eugene, P I have an embarrassing story about that book. I usually have <laughs> some sort of embarrassing story that goes with anything I care about. So a million years ago, when I was writing for um, a publisher called Nav Press, the message okay, is yeah. a Nav Press book. Yep. And yes. so this is a, a seriously many, many years ago that it's when I think it's around the time when Run With The Horses came out. Mark and I mm. were at, they used to do big like trade shows for books. Back so in the this day. was back in the day when human beings met all in one spot. Yes. And so he had, Eugene Peterson had some little room reserved where you could get a ticket to go hear him speak. And somehow oh. I got a ticket with Mark. And so we went and, and we had recently purchased our copy of the message and Mark would cry every time he talked about the message because he finally understood Romans. He would oh, say, I finally understand it after years way. of like, what in the world is Paul talking about? Why can't he just use a semicolon? And so <laughs> we met the Petersons. I went up to him. He was sitting in the front row with his very sweet wife, both of them extreme introverts. Yes. I made a total ninny of myself, started weeping. <laughs> he looked so uncomfortable and so nervous. And they gave us all comp copies of Run With The Horses. Oh. Well, I associated that book with one of my many most embarrassing moments, put it on the shelf and didn't read it for years until I guess 2020, 2021, mm -hmm. when I pulled that baby off the shelf, started paging through, read it in a, in gulps. I read that book in mm -hmm. gulps. And as it was one of those books that as I was reading, I thought, I kept thinking, I'm going to have to start over. I got to read it again. It's one of yeah, those. I've read yeah. it a few times. It's one of those. My, my favorite books are the books that I've read probably five times. I love it. You're a rereader. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Well, we will reconnect yeah. on the, uh, fiction question. I need to know more about your taste before we really involve. Okay. Bless okay. you. Nick, thank you a million times over for coming on the show, for talking with us about your heart and your heartbeat and being so honest. I only love honest people. So thank you for doing that <laughs> and for, for taking in such a very busy time. And I hope you sell a gazillion copies of this book because it's a beautiful book. In Jesus name. That's right. All right. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> thank you. 
I bet I am not alone in my gratitude for Nick's wisdom. It's one thing to nod our heads and agree, but it is another entirely to know that you can trust the speaker who is quite literally practicing what he preaches in real time. If you're like me, like Nick, if you're in a spot right now where you need to remember not to give up just yet, I hope you found this conversation to be the breath of fresh air that it was for me. And I hope you reach out to Nick. Let him know that his words mattered to you today. We'll have his info in our show notes. So take a second, drop him a message, or forward this episode to someone you know needs a little encouragement to keep at it, to press on, to lean into the choice to not give up just yet. That's it for today, friends. Come back soon because I have a lot more to learn and I love it when we get to tackle all that learning together. I'll see you again here really soon for real. Real.